right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Stay Tuned Sports Podcast. This is episode 12, and we have Shane Cottigan, and he is a former Olympian and recent graduate of Stanford University. So we got to meet a little bit through the soccer team, had some mutual friends, uh, just an amazing guy with an amazing heart and amazing athletic talent. So welcome, Shane. Thanks, Abs. Happy to be here. Hi, everyone. Yeah, good to see you again. Um, it's been a minute since we've seen each other in person, but oh, yeah, obviously we sure. stay stay in touch through social media and through mutual friends. So uh, glad to see you're still killing it and excited to hear more about your life and kind of share it with, with everybody. So we'll yep. start by saying, where are you from? Who's in your family? And we'll start from like day one. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I am from the Caribbean. I, I, I like to say from the beginning, but the specific islands, my mom is actually from Jamaica. My dad is from um, Barbados, which is another southern island. And then um, I grew up on St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So, you know, very small islands. Um, the population of St. Vincent is about like 100,000 people. So very close-knit um, community. And, you know, thankfully that's where I am today um, because of that culture and because of that background. So, yeah. Definitely, yeah. You're clearly raised the right way, um, which is <laughs> yeah. sweet. So, right. how many? Do you have any siblings? Yeah, so I have. I have one younger sister. She's eighteen, I think. Uh, yeah, okay. she's at. Um, she's second year at NYU now, so she's she's doing her thing as well in New York. Awesome, mm-hmm. sweet. And I forgot to mention. So, where are you right now in the world? Right, because so you were in California. Am, mm-hmm. So I'm closer to home than I was on the West Coast for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I'm in Miami now. Um, I'm training here for one year with a team, um, Azura, Florida Aquatics. And I'm also doing a post back program in um, biomedical and molecular sciences. So that's going to be my this year while I apply to med schools as well for next year. So that's what I'm been doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you just, you're an insane swimmer and you're going to med school. The, the, student, med school athlete, right the student athlete <laughs> life continues. So, through and through, through and through. So yeah. that's amazing. Don't let that slide by for people listening. What he just said. Yeah, if you sure. if you didn't hear that, listen back. Yeah. Um, so we have an Olympian who's trying to go to med school. We had another one actually. Did you ever meet Curran on the gymnastics team when you were at Stanford? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did meet him. Yeah, before. so he's he's kind of doing the same thing. He was on mm-hmm. on Team USA, still is, and then he's applying to med school too. So yeah. it seems to be a trend of the, the, the high performing uh, yeah. student athletes. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so you definitely had probably one of the most unique sports experiences in getting to Stanford. Let's talk about growing up um, in the Caribbean. How did yeah. you compete? What was your? Did you play multiple sports growing up? What was your your vibe there? Yeah. So um, to the full spot, I started out playing um, football. So we call it football, uh, which is soccer. as you should. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's actually football, everybody. Um, and then I also ran track while I swam um, but then I think because I started swimming at about five and it was just because my parents wanted me to be safe um, living on an island being surrounded by beaches you know just for mm-hmm. water safety and so I mean I began competing when I was about 10 years 10 years old um, while also doing track and um, football but as the years went by, I mean, I got fast in swimming and I was given more opportunities to represent um, St. Vincent, traveling um, regionally and internationally. So 
we started out really small actually um we didn't have any like pools to train at so we trained at beaches um you know early morning practices afternoon practices which was kind of you know nice yeah. it, it wasn't too bad like you know you still have beaches they yeah. just a fair water, but at the same time you know you wish you had more um but then mm-hmm. as a few years went by we renovated a pool um and it was 25 meters long which is Shockers meters and so that became our base it was only three lanes like you know three lanes um small and then eventually as we continue to develop we now have a six lane 25 meter pool so you know there's been steady development um over the years thankfully and i think that this is just the beginning of what's to come um from the island for sure um, so yeah. I think you know, so you've it's, seen it's it from nice from nothing. Yeah, from the ground, from the ground up. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. It's and you've struggle, we'll but... get to it, but you've had mm-hmm. you've had a huge part in kind of growing that too, which has got to be a really good feeling. Um, mm-hmm. If anybody hasn't watched the video of you on Instagram um, with you oh, going yeah. back to St. Vincent, you mm-hmm. got to watch that. Um, you'll mm-hmm. get an even better feel for Shane um, and the mm-hmm. just conditions that you guys are training in. Um, exactly, yeah. So all right, so from there you started competing at age ten. And then mm-hmm. you said you started traveling domestically yeah, I, internationally to, to go. Yeah, actually, my first international meet was in Scotland. And that was 2014. Okay. I, was, I was 13 years old. And I was the youngest wow. person at the Commonwealth Games in 2014. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where it really started from that point. And then ever since then, um, I've been great. I mean blessed enough to be traveled into Russia, South Korea, um, Hungary, um, UK, like all these countries that I never would have yeah. imagined before. And it's just thanks to, you know, swimming and its development at home. So for sure. Yeah. That's the, that's the blessing of sports for sure. I mean, as a soccer football player, like that's worldwide too. So like mm-hmm. I've got to travel the world. Probably not as much as you at this point. Yeah, yeah, you've surpassed true. me in terms of Olympics <laughs> and stuff. Um, yeah. But it's super fun. Like, there's really like a few like few things in life that can allow you to do that, and sport is mm-hmm. is definitely one of them. Um, mm-hmm, so, talk mm-hmm. to me about that first, the Commonwealth Games. You, is that when you like got on the yeah. map? Did you perform really well? Like, what happened? Did you just crush it? Um, I would say I was I was 13. So. Um, <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> I was, I was definitely like, um, overwhelmed with like nerves at that point too. So I do remember mm-hmm. like having an, an idol breaststroker who was, I think, cause he, he's, he's a double, I think Olympic gold medalist now, Adam PT. Um, and he was a breaststroker. And I remember like going to the call room and just getting really nervous. And I even like had to run to the bathroom at 13 to throw up just cause I just, no <laughs> I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe I was like at that, you know, stage in a sense at such a young age, but you know, it, it does add to the developmental phase that we were in because most of our um, invitations to certain swim meets had to do with the fact that we were still a developing nation. And so, you know, it, we just use it as, as ways to get exposure. And so that's where it's been. But now, you know, you can gradually see that we continue to, like, climb the ranks, especially the regional swimming on a whole, like Caribbean swimming. Like, we've had um, world champion medalists, um, like, for the past five years at least. Um, so, and in history as well. But it's just showing that Caribbean swimming is becoming more and more 
um, dominant in a sense. And so just being a part of it right now is, is, is nice to be. <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. I mean, it's, it's crazy yeah. to start at 13. I feel like that's, yeah. and being like thrust onto the scene, international travel yeah. at 13. Yeah. It's pretty, Big crowd, it's like pretty intense. 20, 20, 20,000 people watching that kind of stuff. It was insane. Yeah. So, all right, we got some inside scoop there. If anybody didn't know, Shane threw up yeah. before that, yeah. <laughs> before his first yeah. uh, international yeah. meet, which is a good one. Meet. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you know you care, though. If you got nerves and you got no, that, yeah. that butterflies exactly. in your stomach, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So after that, you're 13. High school. Talk to me about high school and how you yeah. start to look at schools in the U.S. How that all mm-hmm. happened. So um, the system that we have in the Caribbean is basically we have forms. So form one to form five. It kind of coincides with grades 7 to 12, I guess. So mm-hmm. that was my, so we call it secondary school. And so my secondary school was, that's when I was running track, playing football and swimming. And so I was always like a top performer as well in school, thankfully. Blessed. Um, mm-hmm. And thanks to those blessings, it's just like allowed me to be um, like top performer at our exit exams. I was a, national scholarship holder as well so that was my secondary school high school experience hold up so, hold up uh-huh. how'd you get the national yeah. scholarship you can't just brush over that <laughs> the, so yeah, the whole I mean, for the whole nation was, yeah it was it was it was basically wow. um graded what's the well, process graded, for that we, we had you you everybody does an exam um it's called mm-hmm. the caribbean examination council which is a regional examination and then that puts you basically gives you a certificate to get to next level. So it's a diploma basically for high school after you do that okay. um, exam. And so the top performers in the, in the exams, so you get graded um, once, two, three, four. Um, and then those top performers get selected for national scholarships and stuff. So yeah, I guess it was just <laughs> performing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so you're, so, you're yeah. top 10 in that or what's the number? Was it top five? I was, I was number two actually, but number one for boys. Ooh. Yeah. all right yeah. there you go yeah <laughs> yeah girls girls rule the world we know they're smart yeah. now, so it's all good that's great um uh but all right so that's amazing so what does that entail like what kind of money did you get was it for school how did they yeah it that? was it was it was to cover um so right so for universities now i wasn't very familiar with you know u.s colleges and stuff so i didn't i didn't really know too much about stanford being a top school either just from you know mm-hmm. just seeing it always on television and stuff um and so i went through the common app process because my parents um were familiar with it so they pushed me along that path as well and so through the common app is when i realized okay fine stanford is nice but looks very selective that kind of vibe so i wasn't really thinking too much about it yeah um but then when the time came when i think it was like march when they released with like acceptance letters and stuff I was actually out with some friends and I didn't really expect too much, but I went home and I was like checking the the portal to see what was there. And then I was like, oh, wow, like just got into Stanford. Like, you know, that was a, yeah. a crazy thing to think about. Um, but, you know, it, it really changed my perspective on things for the future, especially. And my, my dad is somebody who always like, you know, makes me know that no dream is like, worth giving up, giving up on. So he always would tell me, like, you know, it would work out to get to Stanford, for example. And that's where the National Scholarship came in as well because they were able to cover, mm-hmm. like, 
a huge percentage of, of my tuition as well. So, you know, it's been that strong support system for me um, from the beginning. And so that's really where my Stanford experience started because, like, I didn't, you know, I wasn't too familiar. I was like, all right, like, let's do this. But then when I realized how huge yeah. it was, especially sports-wise, <laughs> because my goal for sure when I, like, entered was, you know, um, keep getting faster and then hopefully have an opportunity to walk onto the team. But obviously, like, mm-hmm. COVID and everything kind of, like, dampened that. Um, but regardless, it was an amazing experience being around, like, you know, so many dedicated, like, students and student-athletes, which is really my, my takeaway, just being around, like, you guys and just a different environment where you see that mm-hmm. drive and motivation every day. So yeah. I think that's that's what my biggest, like, yeah. I kind of went off after yeah. high school. Sorry, but yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. That's it's good to hear why uh, why you decided to go to Stanford and what like kind of drew you there. That's kind of my next my next question. I think so. Yeah. Obviously, Stanford's super selective. You got in academically, which is ridiculous. That means you are incredibly smart too, which makes sense. You're yeah. applying to med school That's now. Right. Um, but right. where else did you apply? Like, did you know once you got into Stanford, like that was where you're going to go? Where else were you looking? Yeah, I mean, I, I had some family in Virginia, so I kind of applied to Virginia as well, some like UVA, um, those kind of schools, and then Florida also. Um, like mm-hmm. I got into like U Miami, those kind of schools. Nothing a bit, too like, a little bit closer to home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I wasn't really thinking anything like top level Ivy League kind of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. And so like Stanford was my only West Coast school, even. I mean, I think nobody nobody turns down Stanford. Like, you mean you get into yeah. Stanford, you, you you have to be there. So, um, that was just a blessing for me to be able to yeah. one get in, and then two be able to have the scholarship back in to um push yeah, like, you academics there. So yeah, yeah, I kind of had so, a similar thing actually. I'm from I'm from the East Coast too, so I grew up in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And I was looking at all the East Coast schools, like kind of similar to you, just because I didn't want to go far. Stanford was also my only school on the West Coast that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, obviously, like you said, yeah. you get the opportunity to go, yeah, especially with yeah. how good our, our team was too. Like yeah. same with the swim team, like you got to go for yeah. it. Um, it's far from home, which obviously is not ideal, but yeah. it's the like development that's that's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. So how was the how was the transition for you? coming to to Stanford from a small island. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, talk about that. Um, I would say it was a big, I mean, everybody speaks of the culture shock basically, but um, mm-hmm. I think it definitely was eye-opening in terms of just everybody being of very diverse backgrounds um, and that kind of stuff. But I think it was much easier, especially having um, – a first year roommate. I don't want to like make him feel too good about himself, but you know, um, <laughs> Hughesy, yeah. Keegan Hughes, he was my um, freshman roommate. So that kind of like made a, a friendship and then like leading from that to like the, the team as well. That kind of yeah. friendship kind of made it easier to, you know, just enjoy what Stanford was and not really think too much about it being different. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that really enhanced the experience, but it definitely was was a, a big culture shock just being in a big city after coming from a small island. Um, but yeah, it was definitely it was it was exciting. I could say. Yeah, I mean, we got we're talking blessings on blessings for this man. Yeah, so clearly, no, for sure. you got a for good sure. heart and you got like 
because what goes yeah. around comes around and you've been getting a lot of good. So clearly you yeah. give out, give out a lot of good too. Um, shout out Heasy, okay. great guy. Yeah, sure. uh, <laughs> you definitely lucked out with him. He's, he's a good dude. Um, yeah. And yeah, from there you became friends with the soccer team. So that obviously mm-hmm. helped a lot, but let's get into kind of the harder things, right? So not everything's perfect in everybody's life. You said you wanted to come to Stanford to walk on the team. And you said COVID happened, things like that. Let's talk about that aspect of getting to Stanford. I'm sure everybody thinks yeah. you swam in the NCAAs listening to this yeah. right now, but tell us the real yeah. story. Yeah. Um, so I think um, for me, especially my first year, uh, I, I'm a very like realistic person, but I also believe that um, I can achieve like great things once I put my mind to it. So my freshman year, um, after getting into Stanford academically, you know, the goal was to always like have an opportunity to represent um, on a NCAA level. But, you know, to have the time, because obviously the team is very competitive as well, but to have the time mm-hmm. to compete with the team and be on the team as well was always like a, a drive for me. Even if I was like there about, like it had to be stellar in a sense to be able to receive a, a walk-on opportunity. And so my whole focus on, in my freshman year was obviously to, you know, learn the the American environment and kind of just continue to do my own grind and get to that point, which I saw as a very realistic mm-hmm. point. But then obviously COVID hit in my freshman year. And then when COVID hit my freshman year, which was 2020 March, um, I had to go back home. And so at home now, you know, it just wasn't this same environment in a sense that, you know, you make do with what you have. But um, it mm-hmm. just definitely wasn't the same in terms of the progress that I was making. And so when everything shut down, eventually it kind of just, you know, set back a bit. But I also did have Tokyo Olympics in 2021, which was a big thing coming up. And um, yeah. that was my focus at that point to even to get faster, but to be able to be in the best shape possible for Tokyo. And so... Mm-hmm. What happened as well on the island is that the volcano had erupted in March of 2021. So we had a volcanic eruption. Oh my god! That Dude, year, I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, during yeah, COVID. So, during COVID, yeah. So we were dealing oh with COVID goodness. and a volcanic eruption. So it was kind of, yeah, it was it, it wasn't nice. It was a very dark time. But um, you know, I spent my time when it erupted doing a lot of like volunteer work, kind of helping out shelters. Um, mm. you know, just helping those who didn't have. Um, so, but also I had to keep an eye on my training and just stay focused for, for August, but I did have to spend, so three months before the competition, I had to spend a month of no training because there was just ash in the pool. Wow. Um, so you couldn't even train properly. Um, so then that year I actually went to, there's a club, Alto Swim Club, close related to Stanford, but the, um, club side mm-hmm. of it. Um, and so... With Alto Swim Club, I was actually able to train for one month before the games um, and then just attend them. But obviously, I wasn't in the best, you know, the best shape as possible, as, as much as possible. But yeah, understandable. Really, really. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, <man. laughs> but realistically, crazy. like, you know, and the thing is, not many people know about that part of it because, like, I'm not somebody to make excuses yeah. or somebody to even, like, air that side of it because I still believe that no matter what goes on, you have to be able to, you know, perform at your best. So yeah, that was, that was, that was that. And then when I got back to Stanford, 
as much as I wish that I was able to stay in the same position as I was before, it definitely was difficult um, getting back into things. And so, you know, that goal of wanting to compete NCAAs, as much as I was able to enjoy the training environment there, it just wasn't a reality for the four years. But I learned to just mm-hmm. embrace. Because the thing is with swimming too, I think swimming is a sport where you don't necessarily need as much as you would enjoy a team it's all about yourself and like you're pushing yourself yeah so my, my my focus was just about like you know making myself better every day um training hard no matter what and so that's that's just been the process but for the past and and one thing i guess we we're going to touch on as well is like this past four years i can say where i've like felt myself on a plateau in a sense just mm-hmm. because of like all the circumstances that you have to like deal with but um it doesn't stop yeah i feel like the, swimming the, swimming yeah. and track are both kind of like that i feel like like running yeah, and swimming, they're so yeah. time-based that it's like mm-hmm. you can hit it like it's like, edge. Well, i keep saying it's like driving a um f1 car um but you, mm-hmm. you just have to be able to put in as much work into the specifics um but you never know what happens on the day of like a race when he's supposed to go like you push your body 100 percent like one thing can go wrong especially me like because i do sprints like you know one thing can result in 0.3 seconds or that kind of stuff so yeah it's it's a mental it's a mental battle for sure um but you know i think that especially being from where i'm from it teaches you like a lot about resilience and that kind of trickles down Mm -hmm. into your own mentality every day so you know that there's like you know those with wars and you kind of just I mean, your your issues are not insignificant, but, you know, you can always find a way just like everyone tries to find a way. And trusting in God as well, of yeah. course. But, you know, just having that um, resilience, I think, is what's key. And that's what I've been trying sure. to do, like, to this day. So, yeah. Yeah, you're doing a good job at it, too. I will, I will yeah, say I'm that. Trying, um, I know yeah. you feel that a little bit. You know, you know you're killing it. Um, but in terms of getting through those those hard, like, plateaus, challenges – Obviously, you have a great mindset perspective on it, which is huge. But we talked about this before. Who are your role models? Like off the field or off the out of the pool? Yeah. Sorry, I'm used to saying off yeah. the field. Um, <laughs> who ga- who gave you that that willpower, that mindset, resiliency? And then also in the yeah. pool, who do you look up to that keeps you going? And you look up to their mm-hmm. like performances, things like that. Yeah, I would always say that my um, life role model is my my father um because like you know he's someone already who who knows what humble beginnings are he's someone who has had to like he's a a banker now he's you know risen his way up through the ranks from the age of 17 um to where he is today and so like i just really respect his you know no excuses mindset because he believes as well like and it's passed on to me that you know no circumstance is, you know, not conquerable, especially through God. Um, so it's like, you know, we, we, he's like my sister and I, even like my mom as well, she always preaches it too, that, you know, we just, we've been blessed and we just have to be able to use those blessings. Even if there's challenges in there, we have to be able to um, see the blessings and really walk towards it. And so, yeah, that's he, he definitely is um, my role model in that sense. And then, well, that's life. Um, But I would say, like, athletically, um, 
I won't like swimming wise. I mean, everybody you know loves Phelps because Phelps just it's Phelps. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it could be any like, athlete, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Well, my I think athlete wise, then my my idol, especially him being my age as well, is Vinicius Junior. Like I can't mm-hmm. even say Christy. I'm a I'm a Christy. I'm a Christy guy. But like I have to say Vinny, uh-huh. especially being a Real Madrid fan because you know I've been watching his development for the last five years like everybody only knows him for the last two years basically because he's performed but before those performances was a time where everybody used to hate on him and like he wasn't really performing as well but what he used to also do well is like show behind the scenes like the kind of grind that he was doing like doing beach trainings like working on himself individually apart from the team so i think that that you know that focus on what happens in the dark and behind the scenes, that is what like drives me athletically as well. Because you know, not everybody knows your story, not everybody knows what you have to go through. And many every athlete mm-hmm. I think is like that. But it's just about like doing the work individually and like, you know, pushing yourself individually, which really counts. Yeah. So yeah. That's a that's a good choice. He's definitely a baller. Um Yeah, I mean, for sure. boy. <laughs> And we love and we love the soccer shout out for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's me. I mean, we, so, we like that's all main sports. So I'm, I'm a. You guys would know that I'm a, I'm a big baller fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Sh- yeah, Shane was supporting us all the way through uh, at Stanford yeah, with sure. the men's soccer team. Also, I got the got the jersey yes, on tonight sir. just to shout yes, out the, uh, <laughs> the boys because they just started uh, last weekend yeah. two and zero now. So that we look pretty good again, Stanford. Stanford. Yeah, yeah, it was boring. Yeah, so I mean, the powerhouse, I guess, continues. We won't jump on it too early. It's only two games in, but uh, we're looking pretty (laughs) good. Um, So, all right, so then we we talked about your role models there. In terms of swimming in particular, let's get into like, I didn't even ask, but like, what you swim, what events you swim. Talk about that kind of process in terms of how'd you figure out what you were good at and in terms of swimming, like certain techniques, how do you practice? Anything yeah. in that realm? Let's get into that. For sure. So, um, I mean, my favorite stroke was always breaststroke. Um, hopefully everybody knows what breaststroke mm-hmm. is. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I used to be, like, when I was younger, that was my main thing. That's when I used to really medal at regional meets and swim at international meets. That was breaststroke that I used to do. But when I mm-hmm. moved to California and I was training with Alto, I um, transitioned to sprint freestyle because I also had a good sprint freestyle. So, 50 yeah. meter. This guy's fast. Freestyle. You're fast on land <laughs> and in the pool. So, I yeah, I trying, support the I'm freestyle trying. sprint for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that was the the focus for me for the last three years. So, now I'm a sprint freestyler. It was also good at breaststroke, I guess you could say. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, that's, yeah, that, that's just been my. Um, I guess catalog for for, yeah. for, for as long as as, as I, I can remember. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. As a uh, so as a swimmer, you have those two strokes that you're really good at. Do mm-hmm. your trainers make you practice other strokes, or is it just all day, every week, like the same strokes? How's it kind of yeah, how's training we, go with that? We break it up. So we would do like say we have ten sessions every week in the pool. We'd probably mm-hmm. have one session that focuses on all four strokes, so IMD, um, okay. or two days, probably two sessions on that. And then, like, unfortunately, I've had to do, like, some 
endurance sets, which just, you know, As a don't sprinter, fit into my sprint. <laughs> yeah, it's just annoying. Yeah. But, you know, it's there for cardiovascular health and whatever. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's one. And then, like, most of the other days, I just focus on sprinting, um, freestyle, and then, mm-hmm. like, breaststroke as well sometimes. So definitely more focus on what you're good at. But you also have to keep it balanced. Um, right. So that's what we do. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I will say this guy works harder than not anybody I've seen, but you're like top yeah. five. Bro. Like if I'm you, trying, if you look bro. at, if you look at your Instagram, you'll see how ripped this guy is and how <laughs> dedicated, dedicated you are to training. I think you yeah. and you and Useni are the two mm-hmm. most ripped guys I've yeah, ever seen. That's life. my boy. That's um, my main drive right there. Roommate with that guy. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. You're good. He's a special guy too. I feel like you and him, are both two guys that I look up to, even though I'm older than you guys, but I still look up to you yeah. both um, in terms of what you've been doing. Um, and I think for you, what kind of other training do you do outside of the pool, like in terms of in the weight room, um, yeah. running, like dryline, what kind of stuff do you do? It's just interesting yeah. to hear different training methods for different athletes. Yeah, I think a lot of when I was younger, especially, um, I used to, out of the pool, I used to mainly focus on running. So I'd run about like four miles or so um, every day on mornings as every well day. with my father. Yeah, it used to be like oh, like three, four times a week. Yeah, it wasn't nice. Yeah. <laughs> but now, um, now that I've gotten to like an older age, you know, I just focus on lifting. So power, power mm-hmm. sets in the gym, just like lifting for power. Um, and then I would run occasionally if I'm not like in the pool, but the pool kind of gives you enough cardio. Um, so the, the power sets, I would do power sets in the pool, but I also do power sets in the gym, um, about like three to four times a week. And yeah, that's, that's basically because like swimming, you swimming doubles, um, almost every day. And then you have that time in between where you lift. So it's, it's kind of, yeah, not much room for anything other than swimming. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, dude. Swimmer, yeah. swimmers are intense. Yeah, I feel like yeah. swimmers in particular are the number one sport that does like double day sessions. Like yeah, you go in the morning sure. and you go like in the afternoon at night. Um, yeah. So, yeah, sw- this guy works super hard. I think we hear a lot about like soccer players and wrestling and like, mm-hmm. but swimmers like it's like you said like you gotta do weights and you're in the pool twice a day. So there's like no time, yeah. Um, yeah. which is super impressive. Um, mm-hmm. As we move on, we talked about this beforehand, which is crazy like and awesome what you're doing and we're, like the question of the podcast is like what have you been staying tuned into recently oh yeah but talk to us about uh you you have a servant heart right like you clearly were raised in a great way from your parents um have faith and want to give back to people so tell us all about what you've been staying tuned into recently yeah for sure um i mean first i'll shout out to like the boys because like that's just my main you know, spot of just, that's where I get my relaxation vibes from, you know, just chilling and bouncing ideas off of people. Yeah. So definitely like minds. And then um, one big thing that I've been working on as a project um, with, you know, a group of athletes who have achieved um, high levels from Simonson as well is a nonprofit organization. It's called Athletes in Action. Um, mm-hmm. So it should be launching um, this week or like, the months to come um and what what i want this non-profit to be is a way to guide younger vincentian athletes um on a path basically that 
takes them and you know guides them step by step um, through workshops, through clinics, through forums, webinars, and kind of makes them aware of what there is like a life through sports. Um, because mm-hmm. a lot of like Vincentians, um, Vincentian athletes are not fortunate enough to be able to, you know, get to that next level. And so I've actually, you know, networked with a few people who help um, Caribbean athletes receive scholarships. And so my goal is to help these younger athletes see that there is a, a you know, a attainable goal and that could be in the form of furthering education at schools or it could be in the form of just taking as much as possible out of sports. Um, and so that nonprofit now is just, it's going to be a step-by-step plan of just trying to get mm-hmm. them guided and um, well-balanced and marketable in a way um, so that when they get on the, the map, because we always talk about putting St. Vincent on the map, but this nonprofit is looking to put the young athletes on the map that is the schools in the US and Canada as well. So, you know, from there we we, we trust God that, you know, it works out. But we just wanna get them to that level yeah. to be able to show them that there's, you know, there's more to sports than just being like a recreational thing. Like if you keep trying then there's something to come from it. So that's what the nonprofit Absolutely. is about for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Control, that's bro. that's the stuff I like to hear. You know, yeah, using, yeah. using your platform yeah. in the right way, mm-hmm. and you're definitely doing that. Um, what kind of what inspired you? Obviously, you had uh, an interesting like journey getting into college in the U.S. Is it was it your experience and how like you wish other people had that that drove this, or yeah. what kind of started it for you? I I just think um, that. You know, I, 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 as much as I can sit back and thank God that I've achieved so much, I still think that there are many talented um, young individuals at home who just need that support system and that, you know, backing to be able to get to the next level as well. So I guess I can say, like, my, my goal is to, to just make as many driven, dedicated student athletes as possible because of the journey I've been on and like the fact that I'm able to like talk with boys who are playing professional football doing like big things in tech or yeah. whatever like you know it's like just being able to get to that level and like looking down and seeing like okay like how many people can we actually get there as well um that's what I really like want to be able to achieve for sure that's awesome yeah I'm sure I mean I'm sure there's so many kids looking up to you already uh yeah. back in St. Vincent that like want to work with you too which is sweet so i i believe you're gonna do something great for sure we'll be supporting you the whole time um i think i think for you i just want to like shout out to you personally how how awesome you are in, in terms of doing the right thing doing it the right way um and like even at stanford you could just tell like i will say the way that everybody talked about you was in such a positive way you're always smiling hanging with the boys um which is great and I think okay. as we finish off, as we finish off here, um, in terms of time, I want to give you a second to share like words of wisdom, keep it like however long you want in terms of young student athletes, like that you'll be working with in the future. If there's certain advice that you would give, what do you think is the most important in terms of swimming and just in terms of life? Yeah. Um, to be honest, like one thing that has actually continued to drive me forward every day 
is actually a quote by Michael Phelps. And it says, um, um, it's what happens in the dark that puts you in the light. And I think mm-hmm. that that's one key thing because like, you know, unless I have spoken to, to, to people before, many people might not understand like my own journey. And just like, I might not understand somebody else's journey. So I think what's key is just like, you know, focusing on yourself and being able to be a better version of yourself every day. Um, no matter what area it is that you, you, you take part in, it doesn't have to be sports. It could be school. It could be work. Just like being a better version of yourself. Um, and just setting those goals to, to be better. Like it doesn't have to be a big jump, but just incrementally. And then once you progressively do that, then, um, the sky is the limit because, you know, nothing can stop growth, to be honest. So, yeah. Hey man, dude, that's, that's an amazing <laughs> quote. It's, it's so accurate. Like you'll see people, there's like very few high level athletes that don't put in that extra work when nobody's looking like you get there for a reason, you know, like you put in mm-hmm. that work behind the scenes and it's awesome to see it pay off in that, that light under the lights and on the big stage. Um, so sure, thank you so much. Shane. We'll leave it on that. That's a great uh, <laughs> wisdom for everybody and that we'll works. be following you for sure. Thanks so much for coming on and everybody else stay tuned for the next episode. We'll keep it rolling, but this one's going to be hard to beat. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Bro.